1: bgg top 100 100 251 we'd like to thank our patreon backer chester for helping us bring you an ad free episode
0: you're listening to a proud member of the dice tower network dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming it's sort of like voltron but with better lip-syncing Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Welcome
1: to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. Hey, Anthony. We are talking about the new Star Wars trailer this episode, right?
0: Uh, Yeah, I'm cool with that. All right, That's what we're doing. <laughs> That's not I don't see it on the spreadsheet, but I'm cool with that. Okay. Spoilers? Well, no spoilers. What are we doing?
1: Uh, I, I guess we should do no spoilers because we're right. a board game podcast that might Woo, throw some Star people... Wars. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're actually a board game podcast, and we're oh, not going to oh, be spoiling oh. the new Star Wars trailer for you. But if you're a Star Wars fan, you should definitely check that out.
0: Yeah, I got distracted. Aww. You said Star Wars, and I was all like, I just took off, forgot what we we're going to talk about. Now, now let's go back to board games. Oh, that's okay. It's my second favorite thing.
1: Okay. Well, you know what's actually funny is sometimes, especially I think with the Lego sets, it actually gives away spoilers for the movie. But I don't think we've seen that yet with board games, right? No, no. The board games, (laughs) they're usually
0: incredibly mixed up. Like I just got the new Imperial Assault expansions and there's nothing in there that's even remotely spoiler. It's like just random stuff from the Star Wars universe. Or it's like two years behind. Like, they just now are releasing content from, like, Rogue One and um, a Force Awakens in their games. So, I think we're safe. Hmm.
1: I don't know. I like to have a little kind of inside look into the new movies if it was, in a, you know, kind of deep within a uh, strategy board game that there was some kind of mechanic or character that, you know, no one knew about. Instead of having these typical, like, hey, the new Lego set's out here, and it spoils everything. So... <laughs>
0: That's true. That's true. What I do.
1: Yeah. So well, that's what's typically going out in the world because that's really the only thing that's going out in the world, right? We're we're pretty clear about that.
0: Yeah. Star Wars there's a new Star Wars movie in two months, so whatever about everything else. In January we can get back to worrying about (laughs) nuclear Holocaust.
1: (laughs) In January we'll start worrying about (laughs) regular warfare instead of intergalactic kind of warfare. Yeah. All right. But Beyond that, what's going on with BGA, Anthony?
0: Well, guys, PAX is in just a month or so. PAX Unplugged, that is, because uh, it's all better. board games. We're going to be there. Both uh, of us are going to be there, right? Wow.
1: I got to see yeah. Anthony from BGA. I can't wait to meet him.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is our... Um, well, it's not really my local con anymore. I think Columbus is closer for me, but it's in the same state. So I'm in Pittsburgh. It's in Philly. Mm-hmm. Chris is in New York. It's in Philly. So... We're all semi-close. Jason's going to come down from Connecticut from the Every Night is Game Night side. A whole bunch of people we know from the area are going to be there, too. So this is like the con where we know people (laughs) already.
1: It's our Cheers con.
0: It's our Cheers con, yeah. (laughs) Hopefully everybody knows our name. So we're super excited about that. If you're going to be there, if you're going to PAX Unplugged, let us know. Hit us up on the Facebook group. Hit us up on Twitter. If you happen to back us on Patreon, you can hit us up on Slack, where we're going to be hopefully planning some uh, gaming with anybody who might be going. But we will be there. We don't have a huge amount of plans, so we're hoping to connect with people and play some games.
1: Yep. Plans are still up in the air, so if you're going to be there, and we definitely recommend going, because board gaming is growing, as you can see from this new convention, and it would be amazing if PAX had a tremendous turnout, because... You know, when they started with their typical PAX conventions, it's, I guess, east, west, south, Australia. So maybe yeah. Unplugged will follow with that same kind of trajectory if they get a big turnout for uh, Philly. Maybe they'll pop up in a lot more places because honestly, Ohio and in Indiana and not the easiest places to get around to. Yeah, everything's
0: in the middle of the country, which yeah. makes sense. But for people on the coast, it's a little rough. It's a trip. Uh, yeah. Seriously. Yeah, and so the other thing real quick uh, is Every Night is Game Night. So last week we had a special episode that Jason hopped in. If you are on the fence about backing The Seventh Continent, I is on Kickstarter right now, Um, they did like a 45-minute review of that. Whoa. So it actually helped me a lot because I was also on the fence, and now I know what I'm doing. So if you're not sure yet, definitely check that out.
1: So do we have to listen to the episode to find out what you did?
0: Well, I'm not backing it. There's that. Okay. <laughs> it's It's pretty pricey. It's an adventure game. It sounds like you need to invest a ton of time into it to really get as as much out of it as you can. And I just don't have that much time to invest. So this is very like a personal decision for me based on my circumstances with two kids and a board game podcast, two board game podcasts. If you have all that time, it does sound pretty cool. And I do want to play it at some point.
1: Yeah, I looked over this many, many times. I think it's for the full kit and caboodle. It's like $129 or something like that. Which is really expensive, but the reviews have been excellent. But like you said, the time commitment's been a little challenging. So I'm going to be literally waiting until the last second to decide whether or not to click on it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping someone
0: I know has it and I can borrow it or something for a weekend at some point in the future. And I'm going to like, I'll love it and I'll kick myself for not backing it. But I don't know. I still got Gloomhaven sitting there with like 80 plus missions left to go through. And I'm like, sure. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> so,
1: Makes a lot of sense. All right. Yeah. So, what's going on with everybody else on BGA on Facebook and our question of the week? Yeah, so I asked everybody a question that's near and
0: dear to my heart: What game has been sitting on your shelf unplayed the longest? Ah! And apparently, people have a lot of games because this one broke the record for the most responses we've gotten to date. <laughs> uh, we got Shocker. over thirty. Yeah, no kidding. We got over 35 responses here, so obviously I can only read a few, but I'm just going to list off a few games that people mentioned. Um, We have Hive. We have the DC Deck Builder. We have Doctor Who Card Game. We have Outpost. We have Takenoko, Small World, Quelf, Taurus. Our buddy David mentioned Taurus. um, Order of the Stick, uh, Sid Meier's Civilization, which I totally get. uh, Twilight Struggle, I also get that one. um, Upfront, Hero Quest, RAR, Nevermore uh let's see what else we got here we've got dragon lance someone picked up on ebay twilight imperium that one makes a lot of sense steam dead of winter empire and there are more <laughs> wow. everybody had a different answer mm-hmm. uh, common theme a lot of these games are decently long some of them are old and those tend to be the ones i have the hardest time getting out the really long ones are the really old ones i think for me the oldest one i have on my shelf that i haven't played yet is Dreadfleet. So this was a Games Workshop game that I picked up super cheap at Myriad back in the day. And I mostly got it to paint it, but I also haven't played it. So I've had this for about five years now. Um, But nothing quite as long as some of these.
1: Yeah, for me, that would still continue to be Star Trek Fleet Captains, which I think Ah, we talked about a year ago or so when we had Dave and our friend Chris on the podcast talking about our biggest regrets. And I still haven't gotten this game to the table, even though I own both expansions. It's just so oddly complicated and yet at the same time too light for some people and absolutely positively super thematic. So you need a Star Trek fan that's okay with fiddly, but willing to kind of go along for what might be an odd amount of playing time.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've seen that thing. You pulled it out a couple of times when we visited, and it yeah. was like, oh, nice. Can we play an we're not playing this right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> One day!
0: Someday All... we'll make it happen.
1: I certainly hope so, because it, it still looks like a pretty good game, despite the uh, kind of little problematic hero clicks when it came out. But we'll see. But as always, if you would like to get in on the conversation, obviously our Facebook channel, Twitter, BoardGamersAnonymous.com, We have a whole bunch of places to reach out to us, not just on email, but also on iTunes and Stitcher. Remember, it's a lot easier to drop a review, so please do. And if you're so inclined to talk to us pretty much every day, our Slack channel is up and going. So donating just a dollar gets you in on that conversation. But with all that said, Anthony, let's get on to our acquisition disorders for this week. So what are you looking to hit the table? All right.
0: So the first game I wanted to talk about is Detective City of Angels. This is a new game from Van Ryder Games. I uh, just went up on Kickstarter last week and Jason actually did an interview with the designer and with the publisher on the Every Night is Game Night channel last week. Uh, and I was not on that. So when I listened to it, I was like, oh, this sounds real cool. I've always been a big fan of these hard boiled pulp detective novels about like 1940s detectives. L.A. Noir was a great game, had a lot of fun with that video game. And so this is kind of a, a board game set in that aesthetic. It is 1940s LA, you are LAPD homicide detectives and you're trying to solve these different cases. And so the game comes in a couple different ways you can play it. There's the standard mode in which you have multiple detectives facing off against the chisel. Um, so it's a one versus many. And this is a person trying to either stall, misdirect change, you know, mess with the detectives and basically stop them from actually solving the crime. The game also has a cooperative mode where it can automate the chisel and everybody can play against it together. And then there's a solo mode where there's a book, I believe that will um, even further automate that. So it has kind of all that stuff that I'm looking for uh, in terms of, you know, plays one to five, it's cooperative, but it has a competitive option it Has artwork by Vincent Tutois. So some of that fantastic artwork that we've seen in so many games recently. It's not kind of the a game like this. I wouldn't expect the world in terms of art. And yet they went out and got it anyways. So that's pretty cool. And there's just a decent amount of content here. It's something like 300 cards, 11 different cases, 100 different pages of content in these books that it comes with. It comes with miniatures, which it certainly doesn't need. But they're cool. The only thing that I'm iffy on is the price. You're looking at, I think, $64 to start. Uh, And if you compare that to a game like uh, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, which is kind of in the same ballpark, but with a lot less components, obviously, it's quite a bit more expensive than that. But it is very pretty, has a lot of good stuff. I really, really like the idea of it. And I'm super on the fence. I might go in on this if it wasn't for the price I'd already be in. But it's definitely the kind of game that I personally love. So definitely keeping my eye on this one as the Kickstarter progresses.
1: Oh, sounds great. Is there anything particularly interesting about their stretch goals that might kind of push you over the edge?
0: Yeah, I mean, I haven't really seen anything that's, like, jumped out at me. There is an expansion you can buy, (laughs) but it it comes with, you know, obviously you have to pay extra for that. It's a second reward tier, and that comes with 200 more cards with three new cases, so a whole bunch more stuff. And I think most of it's supposed to be harder, so it's, like, hard mode stuff. I don't know. It just feels like the replayability on everything out of the box is pretty solid. Okay. So stretch goals they've unlocked thus far they have a design your own case kit tutorial scripts tuck boxes for the cases some flavor cards so nothing super amazing Mm -hmm. but the next one they have that's not unlocked yet is additional detective books so actual Ah, more cases so if they if they end up throwing in a bunch of kickstarter exclusive cases and cards and stuff then i might have to jump on it because then i won't want to
1: wait i hear you all right well a new expansion that's coming out for one of my favorite games, Small World, is Small World Sky Islands. So this mixes up Small World on a certain level as it adds four new races, three new special powers. So you're getting storm giants, you're getting wendigos, you're getting scavengers and scarecrows, and you're getting exploring powers, goldsmith powers, and airborne powers now these powers are important because basically what you're going to do is if you've played small world before it's basically a territory control game with a very deterministic way of taking over different areas but what's really genius about the game as far as an area control game is concerned is that even the base game comes with so many different boards so it really shrinks or expands based upon the number of players and yet at the same time, it feels tense it feels interesting and engaging the entire time Now, what Sky Islands does is it adds two new boards. And basically what you're going to do is you're going to play with one less player count for the size of the board. So it's going to make the board a lot smaller. But you're going to add these Sky Islands to the gameplay. And basically what you're going to have is you're going to have a stairwell or you're going to have a beanstalk. Fitting that very kind of small world aesthetic. And you're going to be able to use your player tokens if you're controlling that particular area, to climb up to the Sky Islands and then conquer those islands, which give you, obviously, more opportunities, but also gives you an additional coin for each of those areas that you control. So those Sky Islands are a lot more valuable than the regular board, so everyone's going to be rushing up there. And especially with these new powers and these new races, it's going to add a lot more to the gameplay Small World's fantastic. Skylands is a great idea because it does both things. New races, new abilities, and new board kind of content. Typically, they usually add one or the other. Here you get both. Great, brilliant. Got to pick this up. Big Small World fan. Check this one out.
0: I still got to play more Small World. I don't know about all these expansions, man. I've barely played their base game.
1: Yeah, there is there's a ton of stuff. But it's really nice to get the almost endless number of player powers and races and kind of mix and match them together. That's what really makes Small World so unique because you're not just playing one race and one power set for the whole game. You're going to retire that typically two or three times throughout the game. So that's a lot of fun. And then all the different race interactions is a lot of fun. And it's a very smart game despite its very cartoony look. Definitely something to check out in the future. All right, so that's our acquisition disorders. Now on to our at-the-table. So, Anthony, what do you have for us this week?
0: Okay, so I have a game called Brilliance, and I'm going to be making a lot of weird enunciations (laughs) here because this game is full of puns with the word ant in it, Ah. and I feel like I have to say them because I had to read them. So (laughs) So
1: everyone has to suffer? Is that what you're trying to
0: say? Yes, I'm going to share that with everybody. All right, good. So Brilliance, it's designed by Maxime Tardif. It's from Sphere Games, and we ran into these guys at Gen Con. Uh, This game was kickstarted and it just recently got out to mass market everybody. Now, the weird thing about this game, and I say weird because you don't typically see this, is that it's a box full of a ton of components. Chris, I know you lifted this box, too. It weighs a good seven, eight pounds, right?
1: Yeah, despite it being little tiny ants, it was probably the heaviest game that I was carrying around in Gen Con.
0: Yeah, it's a ton of stuff in the box. And yet, on the box, it says 8+. plus. And when you open it up and the rule, you read the rules, it has rules for children and also more advanced rules for adults. And once you play the game, it's fairly accessible. But first off, let's describe the game. The basic idea of the game is everybody has their own ants. You have three different types of ants. You have warriors, engineers, and farmers. Um, There are different predators that move around and you're going to take different actions, either laying eggs to get new ants, moving ants or displacing a predator basically to mess with other people. And the goal of this is to move the ants around either inside your anthill uh, to open up spaces there or out on the main board to pick up different resources. You take those resources, you basically turn them into complete sets and you get victory points. Fairly straightforward. Uh, not a ton of complexity here. Now, the thing about the game though, is that despite the fact that the basic rules are fairly simple and it's a few other things involved, like you can get those predators involved and block people. You can establish your own territories with the pheromones. When you take an action, you'll be dropping pheromones around. So kind of blocking off space that belongs to you. Um, You have to manage your own individual player board. You have all these different things you can have to keep track of. Plus your hidden objective cards that you're picking up. So, While the basic idea of the gameplay is fairly simple, uh, you know, I feel like I could describe this game to other gamers in like five, 10 minutes and everybody would be in on it and be fine. We could get going and play the advanced version and be great. I do not see how I could play this with a seven or eight year old. There's just too many things going on. It's not complicated, there's too much stuff. That's not a bad thing. I think, you know, by the time my kids are like 10, we could definitely get them in on this. I think they'd have fun. There's a ton of pieces all over the place. You got the little ant miniatures, lots and lots of fun there. In terms of a game itself, the introductory version, of the uh, what is it? What do they call that? The I can't remember the beginner version. It's some pun on ants intermediate is intermediates, so <laughs> and then advance.
1: Ah, okay.
0: um, see what you did so there. Those, yeah, they're fun. So Intermediate version, I don't think you'd ever really play. Advanced version is what you'd play with other gamers. The beginner version is a good way to learn the game. Um, And if you're playing with slightly older children, I think the game suffers a little bit in that it tried to do too many things Mm -hmm. Um, combined with the fact that the rules are kind of poorly written. You think there are only one or two pages of rules for each of these different versions of the game. So it's not enough. (laughs) Once you read through that, you don't quite understand how to play. You end up reading through it multiple times trying to figure out what you're supposed to be doing. It's not a complicated game. The rules shouldn't be that bad, but they are quite bad. I think there's a better version online you can download, but the one that comes in the box, not great. Now, the actual gameplay, the part that people care about, once you get past all the fluff and the box and the different rules and the different types of rules and playing with kids and all that stuff, it's pretty fun. I mean, it's fairly straightforward, but you are building out your own territory. You are, moving into other people's, you're managing how many ants you have. um, You're using those predators strategically to go out and take actions on the board that are going to hurt other people or help you. There's lots of cool stuff here and it's a very tactile game because you have dozens of little ant figures that are running around the board and each of the different types is unique. The warriors, engineers, and farmers are each unique sculpts. Um, There are miniatures for each of the predators too. So while it is a little fiddly because you have, tokens for all six different players, and then all the different resources on the board, once you have it set up and you're running through it, it flows very smoothly. So despite all the stuff I said at the beginning that was like, what is this? I actually liked it quite a bit. Can't really give it a buy because it's decently expensive and I'm not really sure who the audience here is, and it's a little hard to learn. Um, So it's kind of bulky for the weight of the game. But if you sit down to play it, if somebody has it or if there's in a library at a con or you have a chance to just demo it, it's a pretty good game. I feel like with some additional development time, with some streamlining, they could strip some pieces out of this and make a really solid, accessible, not quite gateway, but a maybe medium weight game that a lot of people would really enjoy. So um, I give this one a play. I feel like it could be much better and I wish it was. But it was still fun to play. So I'm glad I had a chance to get this one to the table.
1: Well, it's good. A solid strategy game, but ran into maybe one of those kind of like a 504 type of problem where they're just trying to do something for everybody and maybe just kind of missed the mark there. Because as you said, this was a wonderfully produced game. That seemed to be a solid strategy game, but the artwork seemed a little kiddy, So they were trying to do everything, and maybe you should have just st- stuck with one particular lane.
0: Yeah, yeah. I feel like they maybe at some point in their head this was for kids, and they're like, "Oh, it's too complicated. So let's make some rules for grownups." Sure. This is not really accessible enough for kids. There's too much stuff here. Yeah. If they'd made this a middleweight kind of center lane game, kind of on par with, you know, all those games in the middle that have maybe three or four sets of rules, something like Small World that you can play with your family, but it has a little bit more depth if you want it to, I think it would be solid. It's just a little too much jammed in here.
1: Okay. Well, talking about something with maybe a little too much jammed in there is Fog of Love. Now, this is a new game from Hush Hush Projects. It was a recent Kickstarter game, and this is an extremely ambitious game. Basically, what you are doing is... You are participating in a two-player game in which you are a couple going through a particular situation. And in the game box, there's a number of different situations to play out from very starter situations that are more of a co-op type of situation to more of a possibly co-op slash competitive situation. And basically what you're doing is you are managing and dealing with a mature relationship. And throughout this mature relationship, a number of different questions and situations are going to arise. And you and your partner are going to try to negotiate these different situations together to allow each of you to meet your goals. Now, at the startup of this game, you are going to put together a certain personality type. So you're going to get a number of these different personality type cards. I think you start with five and you're going to pick three. And these three cards are basically your end game scoring cards. So it's going to show on those cards basically what you need to accomplish on the game board. And basically the game board mostly is these different tracks that are going to allow you to manage your different points. So as different situations arise, it's going to say what would you do in this situation. And based upon what you need to do for your final goal... You are going to pick a option in order to place a token towards one area versus another area. That will allow you to eventually get to your final goal. And by reaching those final goals, you'll be able to score points and meet your final you know, conclusion in this game. At the same time, your partner is going for a final goal themselves. Now, you can have goals that are specifically individual goals you could have goals that need to be a cooperative goal, so you might need everything towards one end of the track in comparison to having everything just on your side, so you don't care about what your partner's doing as far as what they're looking to achieve. Now, I don't want to spoil really anything about this game because I think one of the joys of this game is actually exploring all the different personality traits, which are the goals in this game. There's also occupations in this game as well, so... You'd be able to pick a particular occupation. It's going to get you at least kind of towards your final personality trait goals. And as the game goes on, what's really interesting is you're kind of almost doing like a role player game type of situation where you're building up a particular character and then you are together facing with their character that they built, facing these different situations in order to accomplish your final goals. And as the game goes on, those goals can change. So you might go for a a victory condition that is all about finding long-lasting love together, but you might be a heartbreaker and just go for a particular goal because that seems the way that the uh, board is going. There are a number of different chapters in this game that are going to kind of play out as a story mode. There are different scenes that are going to add flavor to the game and then obviously the final finale. Now, as I said, this game kind of starts off with a co-op game that you're trying to accomplish together and that's a really nice game starter scenario which a lot of people i know have played has kind of turned them off to the game because it really hasn't offered them enough but the later scenarios really do offer some really high quality game play not to mention the components in this game are outstanding the the box is just like heavy solid cardboard box with a really nice insert that was built for future expansions and when you get the base game itself it kind of says in the base game in certain cards that there are these upcoming expansions a little more interesting that like there's a paranormal romance that you can actually play in the future it's a light game you can play this with gateway gamers it's a long game it does take some time to play this game i would say an hour and a half to maybe about two hours the gameplay here is about 60 minutes to 120 but the game does take a lot longer than that. The text on the cards is quite small. So if you do have a little challenge with that, you might need a ma- <laughs> a magnifying glass in certain cases. But in general, this game benefits from role-playing. It, ga- it benefits from really playing out the character. Don't look at this game as a kind of straight relationship game. Like, hey, let's get to know each other better. That's not what this game is. This game... Has a number of, as I said, a Euro game with kind of the role player mechanics with time story kind of look to it and a little bit of their gameplay kind of corporate into this. It's a very unique, interesting game and take on character generation, certain set collection as far as the game is concerned, and then meeting certain goals as the game wraps up. This game for the uniqueness alone, gets a buy. It gets a kind of a low buy because I think that the game needs more scenarios because once you play through the scenarios, yes, you can kind of mix up the scene cards, but I think you kind of have played it out a little bit. So it kind of burns out as as far as like time stories. Once you kind of go through a scenario, you kind of seen everything it could do. So recommendation for Fog of Love. Now, the second game I want to talk about very quickly is a new game from... Jap anime games and this is the terrifying girl disorder. So this is more of the paranormal type of relationship. Now this is based on a Japanese novella and it's kind of like let's say young women growing up discovering their powers kind of like almost like a dark twisted X-Men kind of world version As far as they discover their powers and instead of kind of taking on the bad guys, this evil corporation's kind of clamping down on them. And during one of these situations when they kind of come for these young ladies, one of them kind of wipes the memory of all the other game characters. So at the start of the game, you are one of these characters. But you're not sure exactly which character you are. So you take on a set collection mechanic in order to collect kind of memories in order to decide or figure out which character you are. So at the start of the game, you're given a shard card. Now these shard cards are these shards of memories that you're going to be able to use in order to utilize circle mechanic where you're going to line the cards up in a circle. You're going to place your shard card on one of the cards and based upon where the token is facing it's either clockwise or counterclockwise and based upon where everyone's plays their shard cards you are going to collect a number of these cards in your hand now as the five rounds go on you're going to be collecting more cards but eventually you're going to be wanting to play sets of cards once you play a set of cards of one particular young lady you place those down and you activate its ability now those activated abilities are are gonna do a number of things to help you move your cards around, take cards from other players, take your cards in your hand and place them in other different kind of tableau situations. Now, these recollection areas are going to allow you to score points at the end of the game. So, as you collect those cards, as you build up your little tableau area, once those rounds are over, whoever has collected the most of a particular character is going to be that character and then finally be able to utilize that particular character's victory point condition. Now, the victory point and the condition are very different depending on the character. So, for example, one of the characters might benefit for collecting the most of that particular card. Some might collect the least, and some might just collect the middle amount. So, it's challenging as far as what are you actually going for in this game because as you're collecting your particular sets, other players are playing cards that are kind of Messing it with a little bit, adding cards to your hand, taking cards away from your hand. And at the end of the game, for every card that matches the set that you were collecting the most out of, you're going to score additional victory points. This is on the lighter side as far as game's concerned. It has a really interesting mechanic to it as far as collecting these sets that are going to kind of change throughout the game. The story is interesting. And as I said, it's on the lighter side. Really nicely done artwork. You're going to look at seven different pieces of artwork, basically, as far as the girls are concerned. And each of them going to have a different special ability. So variable player powers, set collection, anime, and manga fans are going to really like this game. I'm going to give this game a play. I think that it fits nicely as far as offering a different type of mechanic for the set collection mechanic. The artwork is nice enough to kind of involve everyone into this type of game. I just wish it was a bigger game, to be honest with you. What we're looking at here from Jap Anime Games and Manifest Destiny is a game that I'm hoping that can grow later on. So that's the Terrifying Girl Disorder.
0: Yeah, that one looks pretty cool. I'll definitely to check it out.
1: All right, so that's our At the Table with BGA. Now on to our feature review. So for this feature review, we're going to talk about the top 100 BGG games. So as probably many of you know, Board Game Geek puts together their top 100 games. It's pretty much the most search-upon theme as far as when you're looking for a game, this is the kind of the creme de la creme, the best game in board gaming. And basically because it's, I don't know, 1 through 100, because we don't like number 101. Screw that guy. So nonetheless, we're going to go through 100 to number 51, let you know, as far as we're concerned, what our ratings are for those games. So basically you are getting, I guess... 50 to 100 (laughs) reviews? As long as we've actually played the game, we're going to let you know if the game is a buy, and you should run out and buy that game. If it's a play, and it's something you should check out at the table. If the game's a dodge, and you know what? There's really better things for your time. Or if the game's the dreaded burn, and it's really something that's better as kindling than it is as a board game. All right, Anthony, are you (laughs) ready for this? Let's do it. All right, so number 100, Zombicide Black Plague.
0: Against all odds, this one got a buy for me.
1: Okay. Well, for me, it's a not plate as of yet. Number 99, Splendor. A begrudging play. It's a non-begrudging dodge for me. <laughs> Number 98, Hansa Teutonica.
0: Definitely a buy. Must play.
1: Yeah, this is a play for me. Number 97, Age of Steam. Haven't played it. I hate to say it too. I haven't played it either. Number 96, <laughs> La Granja. Haven't played it. It's a play. It's a solid play. Number 95, The Lord of the Rings, The Card Game.
0: Uh, go buy this, guys. It's awesome.
1: Yeah, I agree. This is a great game and definitely a buy. Number 94, Jabour.
0: Uh, Hadn't played it until three months ago, and then the app came out, and it's amazing, and I've played it a lot, and it's a buy.
1: Still haven't played this game. I know the app is on my list, but still haven't gotten it yet to the tablet. All right, number 93, Steam.
0: It's a solid play. Really enjoyed.
1: Have not played this game. Man, train people are going to be mad at me. (laughs) Number 92, Goa.
0: Finally played this like two months ago. Definitely a buy.
1: Yeah, this is one of my favorite games. It's, It's a buy. Number 91, Captain Sonar.
0: Super impressive. Uh, Not sure it's worth buying, but definitely a play.
1: Yeah, I'm going to say this is a play just for the spectacle of it. Number 90, Combat Commander Europe.
0: Unfortunately, have not
1: played. Same, haven't played it. Number 89, Cosmic Encounter.
0: Oof, here's a can of worms. Uh, It's a play for me.
1: It's a play for me as well. Number 88, Paths of Glory.
0: Sorry, war gamers. Still haven't played this.
1: Uh, they got, war games, man. They're going to mess with us. I haven't played it either. Number 87, Istanbul. Uh, a play. A play. Play here, might as well. Number 86, Chaos in the Old World.
0: Haven't played it, but if you find it, buy it because it's out of print.
1: <laughs> haven't played it, and I think the skin board's going to keep me away from it. <laughs> <laughs> Number 85, Ticket to Ride, Europe.
0: Uh, solid play
1: Solid play is agreed Number 84, Railways of the World
0: now, This one's fantastic, this is a buy
1: I still have not played this game, I'm really upset about that Alright, number 83, Commands and Colors, Ancients
0: Unfortunately, I have not gotten this particular one out yet
1: Nope, same here, I haven't gotten it to the table Number 82, Suburbia
0: It's is a top 10 game for me, so definitely a buy
1: Definitely buy, same here Number 81, Nations. One of my favorite Civ builders. Uh, Definitely a buy as well. It's circling my table but has not yet landed, so haven't gotten to the table yet. Number 80, Star Realms.
0: Ah, this one's dropped to a play for me recently because of other games coming out, but it's still very solid.
1: It's still a buy for me. I still really love this game. All right, number 79, Forbidden Stars. Own it. Haven't played it. Never played it, and now that's out of print. Probably never will. Number seventy-eight, Or Labora.
0: One of the few Rosenberg's I have not gotten a chance to play yet.
1: I own the reprint, but have not gotten to the table yet. Really disappointed about that. Number seventy-seven, Legendary Counters, an alien deck builder game.
0: Literally the only legendary game I will play. <laughs> so this is a strong play for me.
1: I haven't played this one yet, and <laughs> as you said, I was hoping to get this to the table. Number 76, Arcadia Quest.
0: Ah, so much fun. Definitely a buy.
1: Yeah, absolutely a buy. Just just be careful. It's an obsessive buy. Pretty sim- simple yeah. with that. Number 75, A Game of Thrones, The Board Game, second edition.
0: It's a Game of Thrones as a board game, so obviously it's a buy.
1: It's a buy if, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, but I'm going to say a play otherwise. Number 74, Alchemist.
0: Ah, I love this one so much. Uh, it's a buy for me.
1: It's a play for me. It's a little little too much on the end. Number 73, The Resistance Avalon.
0: Oof, don't like these games much. It's a dodge for me.
1: It's one of the very few social deduction games that I, I think deserves a solid play. Number 72, Stone Age.
0: Because of Z-Man's incompetence, I have yet to play this one.
1: <laughs> it, thanks to our friend Dave, I actually get, did get to play this one. It's a buy. Number 71, War of the Ring, 1st Edition.
0: Well, I haven't played the 1st Edition, but... Well, spoilers for later, but yeah, this is a buy.
1: <laughs> haven't played the 1st Edition, but if you got a copy, I will take it. <laughs> yeah. Number 70, The Gallerist.
0: Ooh, this is I, this may still be my favorite Lacerda. This is a
1: buy. Wow. I have still not gotten this to the table, despite my pleading to friends to bring it out. Number 69, Kemet. Uh, it's a light play for me it's a solid buy for me number 68 castles of mad king ludwig Ah, play it's a high play for me number 67 descent journeys in the dark second edition
0: this was a buy until i played gloomhaven so (laughs) take that as you will it's now a strong strong play though
1: haven't got to the table number 66 crokinole
0: if you can afford it buy Uh, (laughs) um it's a lot of fun but it's expensive
1: yeah this is a solid play and i think as anthony said if you can afford it it's a buy number 65 santorini i'll buy this game this is a fantastic game this is a solid play for me number 64 pandemic
0: uh solid play newer versions and especially iberia would be more of a
1: buy it's a dodge for me just there's just better games now that benefit off the Pandemic Engine. Number 63,
0: Twa. Just actually got a chance to play this. Um, quite enjoyed it. I give it a solid play.
1: I'm going to dodge because I, I want to keep my own dice, man. Get get your hands off my dice. Ah, I love it. Number 62, Tigers and Euphrates.
0: Somehow I've missed this one. I've not played it yet.
1: It's an amazing abstract, but it's still a dodge for me. Number 61, Trajan.
0: Uh, you know, on a technical level, this is... a extremely impressive, but at an actual gameplay level, it's a little too much. I give it a play, but not quite a buy for me. From
1: It's Felt. a solid play for me. Number 60, Russian Railroads.
0: One of my favorites. Love this game. So many points. It's a buy for me.
1: It's a play for me. With expansions, it's definitely a buy. Number 59, Dominion. Base game, probably Dodge.
0: Once you start adding stuff in, it gets up to a play for me.
1: It's a solid play for me, and as you said, expansions make it a buy. Number 58, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. The Thames, Murders, and Other Cases.
0: Oh, this is such a cool thing, guys. (laughs) This is so much fun. Uh, This is definitely a buy, especially now it's back in print, and there's a second set. Definitely check it out if you like this type of mystery.
1: Never played it, but hopefully someday I will crack that mystery. Number 57, Mombasa.
0: Very, very solid play. Lots of fun.
1: This is a high buy for me. I love this game. Outstanding. Number 56, The Seventh Continent. This sounds familiar.
0: Yeah, maybe we just talked about this. <laughs> yeah, I haven't played it, but I'm dodging, but that doesn't mean anything. I haven't played it.
1: Yeah, I haven't played it yet either, but hope to someday. Number 55, Clank, A Deck Building Adventure.
0: <laughs> I picked up a copy several months ago, and I have yet to play it. So take that as you will.
1: Sure. I give it a play. Number 54, Battlestar Galactica.
0: Such a good game and very thematic, but I can't give it more than a play.
1: Yeah, it's a play for me as well with the additional expansions, and if you're a big BSG fan, then it's got to be a buy. Number 53, Fields of Arl.
0: One of Rosenberg's best one- and two-player sandboxes. This is definitely a buy, but remember, one to two players. So, limited audience.
1: Yeah, I have not played this one as of yet, but definitely want to get to the table. Number 52, Star Wars X Wing Miniatures Game. Bye, bye, bye. Bye. <laughs> it's a bye, bye for me as well, but as you can hear from Anthony, be very, very, very careful. Bye. <laughs> be careful. And finally, number 51, Dominion Intrigue. I'll give this one a play
0: just because I just said Dominion's better with expansions, and here you go standalone uh-huh. expansion.
1: Sure, this is probably one of the best expansions for Dominion. I think pretty much everyone agrees on that. So this is a solid play for me. All right, so that is our number 100 to number 51. Next episode, number 50 to number 1. So it only gets better from here on out. All right, so that's everything for this week. Until next time, this is Chris.
0: And this is Anthony.
1: And we'll save you a seat at the table.